This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads on our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. If you'd like to join us in person, our talks take place at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, the gospel message, or, or certainly that phrase, the gospel message, is a commonly known phrase, certainly in, in this country and many others as well. Uh, many, even many people who don't have any religious uh, conviction or belief at all, many of them will be aware that the gospel message is the message that's preached by Christianity. However, how much an individual might know or understand what that message actually is, well, that will vary a great deal from one person to another, even amongst those who profess to believe the gospel. For many people these days, the gospel is simply what they read about in the New Testament part of the Bible. Even then, they might only consider that the four gospels, only, only those have any relevance. But when we start to read not the gospel records ourselves, then we begin to realise that the gospel encompasses the whole of the Bible, all of the New Testament and also all of the Old Testament. And so by looking at this subject, we'll hopefully bring uh, this thing together because the gospel has its origin and its foundations in the promises that God has made to Abraham. And those promises to Abraham are found in the first half of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament. Now, just before we we do turn uh, to Genesis, I just want to look at something from the New Testament, just to illustrate the link between Abraham and the Gospel. So we'll turn to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. going to look at the very first verse of the Bible. Sorry, of the New Testament, sorry. So Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 is the first verse of the New Testament. So, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So here then, in the very first verse of the New Testament, there's a direct reference back to Abraham. And it's saying here how that Jesus Christ, and of course the whole gospel centres around Jesus, uh, that he is a descendant of Abraham. So right at the beginning of the New Testament, we're finding that, well, we can't really begin to truly understand what the New Testament is really all about unless we understand what's been put on record in the Old Testament. Now, this opening verse of the New Testament makes an essential link back to the Old Testament. Anybody who really wants to to know all about what this man, Jesus Christ, is, is all about, they can't really do that without fully also finding out about Abraham. Now we're going to come back to the New Testament but uh, as we say we need to look at the the life of Abraham and see the kind of man that he was. So we'll go then to 
to Genesis, the first book of, of the Bible then, and, and chapter 12 again, which our president uh, read a section for us there. This is where the Bible first mentions Abraham, we're introduced to him, so to speak. <clears throat> In fact, he was known as Abram, first of all, and God made a series of promises to Abram uh, at different times throughout his life. So this is the first promise in verse 1. The Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now we've got some amazing promises here that God gave to Abram. Great things were promised to this man. That a nation would descend from him. And God promised that he would see to it that whoever blessed Abram or whoever cursed him would be treated in the same way uh, by God himself. And that God will make Abram's name great. And how through Abram will all families of the earth be blessed. Now we might ask, well why, why did God choose this particular man? Was there anything about him? Well the answer is that when God called Abram to leave his native land, his country. And, and to do that he was going to break away from his own family. And then he would be going to a land far away well Abram did that and he could only have done that if he believed what God was promising him and, and so he had faith that God would fulfill his promise to him and, and so this is why God chose Abram in the next chapter chapter 13 Abram had now reached the land that God had promised him. It was the land of Canaan. Um, uh, it's the land we now know as Israel. And God here repeated his promise to Abram, but he also um, added more to it, extended it, we could say. In verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered arise walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee now Abraham had lived in tents for a time. Uh, in fact he continued to live in tents. But Abraham was told there that all the land as far as his eyes could see. In all those directions of the, the compass. He would receive it as a possession. And, and from his vantage point there. Because he was in, in hill country west of what is now the Dead Sea. Um, Abraham would get a, a fantastic view from many miles around him. Now if you've ever stood at the top of any mountain you'll realise just how far the eye can see on a, on a clear day. 
Abraham and his seed would possess that land forever. This, what a promise God was making here. But there were still further promises, or more to it, we could say, uh, as, as God revealed them to him. So uh, into chapter 15 now. Now, uh, quite a number of years must have passed by this time when God appeared to him again. Now, whilst God had promised to give Abraham many descendants, Abraham, at this point, hadn't, still hadn't fathered a son. So, verse 2 of chapter 15. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Now, it was the custom of Abraham's native land that he'd come out of, that it was a custom uh, that if a man and his wife were childless they could adopt uh, an heir of course to their possessions but it was the custom that that, that could be one of their servants uh, that they could adopt and this is what Abraham seems to be having in mind here uh, because the promise of his descendants all these descendants well that had to carry on through someone didn't it and so Abraham was obviously thinking how is it going to be I, I don't have a son and so he's thinking maybe it's going to be through my servant that he spoke about there well verse 4 God answered and behold the word of the Lord came unto him saying this shall not be thine heir but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir so God affirmed there that Abraham was going to become a father even though the years, of course, now were, they were drifting by without any fulfilment of that promise. And, and to give Abraham more confidence that this was going to happen, he says in, God says in verse 5, And God brought him forth abroad, outside in other words, and he said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and God counted it to him for righteousness. Well, on a, on a clear night, obviously this was a clear night, wasn't it? The stars seem too many to number on a clear night, don't they? So many of them, we can't number them. And, and so God says, Abraham's descendants are going to be as countless as the stars. And Abraham believed what God promised him. And in verse 6, he, that is God as we say, he counted that belief to Abraham as righteousness. Now, that's, um, that's a brief expression. We might wonder what does it exactly mean. But in a way, you see, the whole of the gospel message actually develops from that. Um, and we're going to look at that a little bit later. But it was that initial Faith, that belief, that absolute belief that in what God had said, that then caused Abraham and had caused him to leave his land and his family. And now his faith had grown even more, we could say, because God, well, what God was now promising was clearly something out of human hands to do. Nobody can achieve this. And it was obvious that Sarai, his wife, could not bear children. It, it tells us that somewhere else. And yet God was saying here that she, she would bear a son. And secondly, Abraham 
would be the father of a great multitude of people. Now Abraham believed all that God was promising him here. And so God counted or he reckoned that as righteousness to Abraham. Now righteousness um, is something that the Bible tells us that we don't have as human beings. We, we, we are sinful and that puts a great barrier between ourselves and God. But here, Abraham, who, as we say, we're all sinners, he's counted as righteous because of that belief that he had in what God promised him. And that's one of the fundamental points about the gospel message. And we'll, as we say, we'll, we'll see that a little bit later on. But we'll stay in, in Genesis and move on to chapter 17, Again, we're going further on in, in Abram's life here. In fact, he'd reached the age of 99 here. And still, still, he and Sarai did not have a child. But God hadn't forgotten, you see, and he was going to do it. All these things were under God's hand and his control. So in verse chapter 17 and verse 2, God said to him, I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now, with that further promise, we could say, God now revealed that Abram was going to become a father of many nations. And in verse 5, he changes Abram's name. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings, kings shall come out of thee. So because many nations were going to descend from Abram, well, God now changes his name to Abraham. Abraham means father of a great multitude. Abraham means father or high father. But Abraham, father of a great multitude. Verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee, in their generations. Now God's covenant with Abraham was going to have no ending. So, his promises to Abraham, they're not just a fact of history that have no bearing or relevance for today. On the contrary, these things have every meaning and relevance to, for us today if we believe these things. So Abraham continued to wait. And God brought a miracle about to fulfill his promise to give Abraham and Sarah a son. A miracle, of course, as we say, because Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was about the age of 90. They called him Isaac, as God had told them. So here then was the beginning 
of God's purpose, a confirmation, we could say, to Abraham that he was going to make him the father of a great multitude. It was God's plan that he would do this from one man and from his son. Now we'll turn on to chapter 22 of Genesis. Again, many years later, and this son of Abraham and Sarah was, was growing. God spoke again to Abraham here, chapter 22 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that, Ab Ab that, sorry, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now the word for tempting there is better translated as testing Abraham. And what a test this was to see if he would sacrifice his son Isaac. That son that he'd waited so long for and that he loved so much as God said. So here then was this son promised to Abraham. How, how could Abraham become a great nation through Isaac if Isaac was going to die before he'd had any children? This was a straight and forward to, point, uh, to the point command, sorry, straight to the, to the point commandment. No, no explanation by God given here as to why he required this of Abraham. And this could have broken Abraham's heart, couldn't it? It could have destroyed his faith as well, couldn't it? Asking him to do this. Yet God knew Abraham and this is why he was now testing him. Because what was Abraham's reaction to this? Verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Early in the morning he did this. What a reaction this was. Now the, the natural reaction of course uh, I think for most of us would be to shrink back from doing this. But here was Abraham not only prepared to do it but he wasn't wasting any time about it either. So with Abraham there was no putting off a commandment of God. This was indeed an extreme test of Abraham's faith yet he was going to do it. Now we could also ask at this point we could say, well, with reason, I think, we could say, well, how was Abraham prepared to slay Isaac and yet still believe, continue to believe, that God's promises would be fulfilled through Isaac? Well, there's only one answer to this. Abraham must have believed that God, who is the creator of all life, of course, that God has the power to raise somebody back to life again. This was indeed faith in action then. And if we, if we were to read through this account, we see that Abraham, it was just about to kill Isaac, to slay him. At that point, an angel called out to Abraham and, and stopped him from doing it. 
So Isaac was not killed. In fact, God did not want Abram to, to slay Isaac. But, it, but God now knew that there was nothing, nothing that Abraham would do, not do, sorry, in obedience to him. He had tried Abraham's faith too, the uttermost, we could say. And the angel's response to this incredible faith is in verse 17. He says that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, I don't know if you've noticed in those words we've just read, uh, the angel gave another small detail about the promises here, and it's not been in the previous promises, where he says, the end of verse 17, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, up to this point, the promises had only spoken about Abraham's descendants as, as many, many descendants. But here... The angel's speaking about one man, one of those descendants, singular. And through that specific descendant of Abraham, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And we know that that man is the Lord Jesus Christ. So by looking at the account of Abraham, we can see that he was a remarkable man. His faith in God brought about these wonderful promises from God. There was also one obvious problem. Abraham himself never inherited that land of Canaan. He actually died as a sojourner in it. He lived in tents. He moved around that land living in tents. Never possessed it. And of course, in fact, he could never have lived long enough to see his descendants multiply into a great nation. So Abraham himself would have realised that the promises would be fulfilled long after his own death. And we also know that it was through Isaac and then through uh, Isaac's son Jacob and then through the twelve sons of Jacob that the nation of Israel grew. But it's the gospel message that really completes those promises to Abraham. So now we, we want to move into the New Testament. Look at these details now. Now, I want to look at what the writers say about Abraham. So we'll go back to Matthew's Gospel that we did look at. Uh, but we'll turn to chapter 22 of, of Matthew. What do the writers say about Abraham and the promises that God made to Abraham? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ indirectly refers here to how Abraham had died without receiving those promises. Of course, he'd received the promise of a son, uh, but not the fulfillment of all those promises. So Jesus here is talking about how the resurrection of the dead will one day become a reality, and he refers to Abraham. Uh, verse 31, uh, chapter 22 of, uh, of Matthew, and verse 31. <clears throat> But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which is spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac 
and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they died about 2,000 years before Jesus spoke these words. Yet, they were the proof, that is, they were the evidence that Jesus gives here to prove that the resurrection will take place. So Jesus said that those three men, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they're going to be raised from the dead because they worshipped God in faith. Their resurrection is guaranteed then. We know that. And in fact, turning over to Acts of the Apostles now, to Acts chapter 13. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul here. And he's speaking to to some Jews in in a synagogue in the city of Antioch. And uh, here in chapter 13... Of, of Acts um, Paul tells them about Jesus Christ chapter 13 and verse 29 and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre but God raised him from the dead and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings. Now that's the word uh, gospel, that mean, uh, or the good, it means good news. So it's glad tidings, good news of, of how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So Paul there stated how Jesus Christ and what Jesus uh, had done in his life and accomplished, we might say, well, that was a fulfillment of the promises to Abraham uh, and the fathers. But we might ask, well, in what way does it fulfill the promises? And we could ask, how do the promises form the basis of the gospel? Well, now we'll turn to the letter to the Romans, which follows uh, the book of Acts, to Romans chapter 4, and we can find this out. Again, it's the Apostle Paul who's writing to the believers here in Rome. And in this, uh, in this letter, Paul spoke of the hope that's based on the promises to Abraham. Uh, so chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then, that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, Apostle Paul, he poses a question there for us to think about. And he says, well, what, what, had, what did Abraham experience in his life pertaining to the flesh? Now, uh, the usage of the word flesh in, in the Bible is another way of talking about sin 
And we mentioned nobody can be righteous before God just through their works. We, we all sin. Even Abraham couldn't be righteous by his own works. And this is what he's, he's, ask, he's asking here in this question. Now, verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So God in his mercy and his forgiveness, he reckoned Abraham's faith as righteousness. And faith is the only way that we can find salvation. And it's by becoming children of Abraham, we could say. And now we'll turn to Galatians chapter 3. So we can see here a more uh, complete picture, we could say, of how the promises to Abraham are the basis on which the gospel is preached. So Galatians chapter 3. And uh, verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted, accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So this distinction is being made here that the true children of Abraham, in God's eyes this is, are those who have faith as Abraham had. So the thing is, that can be a Jewish person and it can be a non-Jewish person, a Gentile. Now verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, the Gentiles, through faith, he preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Notice there, God preached the gospel to Abraham when he promised to Abraham that, he would, that all nations would be blessed in him. Because out of all nations, those that de develop the faith that Abraham had, they will become blessed in those same promises that God had made to him looking at verse 16 as well now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made he said not as to seeds as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ now it's only through Jesus Christ that we're saved and Jesus is that singular individual seed that God spoke to Abraham about in Genesis chapter 22 Jesus is the only man who has lived a sinless life and so Paul goes on in verse 26 for ye and he's writing to all the believers here in, in Galatia he says ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs 
according to the promise. So what a hope we have if we're baptised into Christ. We can be children of Abraham and therefore children of God also through faith, baptism and faith. So if we're baptised into Christ then God makes no distinction between us or whether we're, we're Jewish or Gentile. And indeed we can be blessed as Abraham was being then his descendants by faith because we become heirs according to the same promises. Now those promises are going to be fulfilled when Jesus returns to the earth. He will establish God's kingdom over all the earth. Jesus will then raise to life all those that are dead in Christ. They will arise from the dust of the earth to receive those promises. What we have to do is to develop faith like Abraham. And in fact, Jesus warned the Jews of his own day. He said, Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The question is, will we sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God? Well, the answer, of course, rests with each one of us and how we each respond to the gospel message. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.